This is the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Wednesday, March 2nd. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here as your hosts, and we've been doing a lot of talk about the NFL draft over the last several weeks. Obviously, uh, it is one of the prime things on people's minds now that we are past the Super Bowl and kind of looking for our next little bit of a football fix here. And so Mark and I had talked with Brandon Thorne from The Football Educator a couple weeks ago on our podcast, and we had briefly asked him one question uh, just about the, the, the physiology and, and the kinesiology of a prospect, just in terms of how that prospect was walking and what he could tell about it. And it was such an interesting topic that we figured, why not have him back for a whole show just seemed like the right thing to do. I know that I was pretty fascinated by it, Mark. I, I know you were as well. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing stuff. Um, the article that it kind of came from was talking about the weigh-in at the Senior Bowl and kind of what Brandon was looking for. And if you haven't read that article, definitely read it. And I'm really pumped to talk to Brandon some more about this stuff. Yeah, it should be uh, should be pretty cool. So, Brandon, uh, we we really appreciate you joining us here. I know uh, it's been a busy day for you, and uh, certainly we appreciate your time here. Yeah, guys, I, I appreciate you guys having me on again. And, uh, you know, anytime I get a chance to talk football and, you know, physiology as it relates to it, you know, it's, it's a good time. So I'm excited. Brandon, my first question for you, just to begin with, is how did you get into this to, to start out? What was the, uh, the attraction to you just in, in learning this physiology and everything? Yeah, well, you know, throughout my whole career in the military, um, training and working out and things like that became a huge part of my life. And when I transitioned out of the military, I found a school nearby my home here in Colorado Springs that accepted the GI Bill and everything. And uh, they offered a uh, a program on uh, exercise science, you know, with a focus on kinesiology and physiology. So, you know, I went there, got an associate there, and now I'm in a bachelor's program. But in the process, I also got a couple personal training certifications and, um, you know, just really took a uh, strong interest in the physiology of the human body. And, um, you know, I was also pursuing scouting at the same time, and they just kind of connected, you know, um, by accident almost, you know. And um, I've, I've tried to kind of merge them a little further, you know, than, uh, you know, it's been done typically so it's kind of neat how it kind of worked out they kind of play off each other so i guess a good place to start for me is you know one thing that we always talk about with uh prospects coming into the draft is so and so is an injury risk because he had a you know this injury in college or so and so is an injury risk because of a different injury i guess one of my questions is if you have a guy that maybe hasn't gotten injured to this point no major injuries because sometimes they can be fluky what are some of the things that you can see just from a physiological perspective that may be indicators of problems down the road what are some of the key red flags that you look for yeah well to to Peel it back a little bit. Um, you want to look at posture, and you know I'm actually studying for uh, a new certification right now for um, it's through NASM, um, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and so I'm kind of fresh on a lot of this stuff. So this is good. So, um, so posture um, is one of the first things you look at, and that's defined as the position from which all movement begins and ends. So it's it's obviously a very important thing for any sort of movement, especially dynamic movement that occurs on a football field. 
So when you're looking at posture, um, you know, there's just a few things that you want to keep in mind of, of, of the purpose of posture, you know, is to maintain enough efficiency to overcome constant forces that are placed on the body. So, um, you know, it really, it starts with uh, structural efficiency of, of, uh, of your posture, which means um, it, it allows your center of gravity or your core to be, to be maintained over your base of support, which is your feet, at an efficient rate. Um, and you can kind of look at a human body and, and see different things. Like I mentioned on the last podcast, there's something called an interior pelvic tilt. So it's a really common thing. You know, it typically happens in Americans because they're sitting down all day. And, you know, naturally, um, when you're sitting down, certain muscles lengthen, certain muscle, muscles kind of turn off. And when you stand up and start walking around, the same thing is occur- occurring. Um, and typically, you know, when people sit down and stand up, they use their quads. So, you know, you, you'll hear the term, you know, people are quad dominant. Um, and that's kind of what it relates to, you know, people just, you know, doing that same type of movement all day and they don't really fire or engage their glutes and their hamstrings. And that can lead to an imbalance in your posture. Um, you know, typically you don't see it in high level athletes just because, you know, they shouldn't be doing a lot of sitting down. Um, but you know, as the case with that guy at the senior bowl, you know, you can kind of see some of those things creep in. You know, I mean, they could come from whatever, you know, playing a lot of video games, you know, whatever athletes do, you know, it could, it could still come from that. So, you know, just from a scouting perspective, um, it, you know, you could, you could tell certain things when you're just watching the guy, but if I was really a scout, you know, and, and I was privy to be able to talk to these guys, I'd really want to find out what their lifestyle is like, you know, find out how they live their life, um, sort of activities they do outside of sports that can, you know, speak to a lot of these um, deficiencies you see. Um, but, yeah, as far as, you know, to continue on the posture thing, um, so if you have, you know, optimal posture, it allows for high levels of functional strength and dynamic movement. So, um, so yeah, if uh, – let me, let me touch on the core a little bit because a lot of people – when they think of the core, they just think of, you know, the abs or something like that. But the core actually consists of 29 muscles and it's broken down into two categories. So you have the stabilization of the core and the movement of the core. So you want to look at those two things um, when you're evaluating somebody. And there's different workouts you could put guys through. And I'm sure, you know, I don't want to pretend like I'm reinventing the wheel because I know a lot of strength and conditioning coaches you know, are involved in the scouting process. And I'm sure that, you know, they do a lot of these things, I would assume, and they know all this stuff because it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, just basic physiology um, that they should know. So, but yeah, anyway, I mean, you definitely want to test out their core because that's where posture basically begins and ends. So, you know, there's really a lot of tests that I would want to do with these prospects you know, just real basic stuff to see if they're, you know, if they can stabilize, if they can react to force properly. Because, you know, if stabilization is weak, your kinetic chain, which is your skeletal system, your muscular system, and your nervous system, it senses that and it creates an imbalance and it can lead to inefficient movement, which could lead to injury. So, Brent, oh. you know, the, yeah. 
Go ahead. Oh, Brandon, sorry to jump in there, but um, let's take a look. Uh, you mentioned the pelvic tilt. Are there other sort of like structural aspects to the human body or to a, a player's posture that are an indicator to you with either perhaps potential success down the road playing the sport or perhaps some red flags to you when you're looking at a player just from the physical standpoint? Yeah, I mean, you want to look at mobility. So, um, for me, you know, I, I really like studying offensive and defensive line. So when they're in their stances for an offensive lineman, you want to see a certain level of bend or flexion at the ankle and the knee and the hip. So you start from the ground and you work your way up. So when you're looking at a guy in his stance, you know, especially on the front leg, you want to see that ankle flex. Um, it's called dorsiflexion. You want to see that. Um, and it could stand out to you real quick if you see a guy compensating and he can't really bend at the ankle. And it, that's really the key is the ankle. I mean, the Charles Bentley talks about it a lot. Duke Mannyweather talks about it a lot. I mean, everything starts with that ankle. And if the ankle is not strong and mobile, it's just going to work. That, that issue or that imbalance is going to work its way up. I mean, that's just the way the human body is built. So when people say, you know, you know, if you have an injury somewhere, it's just going to work up the kinetic chain. That's what they mean. And so that's why you start at the ankle. So, you know, if I'm watching an offensive lineman, I, I like to look for that. Same with defensive line to a certain extent, but more so offensive line. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just as far as watching the tape. But, you know, if you're watching warm-ups at the senior bowl and a guy has to do uh, an air squat and, you know, basically just squat down, you can see that. You can look for that. So, you know, that's one of the big things I was looking at at the senior bowl, and I noticed, you know, several guys that um, didn't really have that optimal mobility in the ankle, and you could kind of see that translate to the field if they can't bend properly. They're going to compensate, you know, and maybe their lower back or, you know, their shoulders or, or whatnot. So I think ankle mobility is probably one of the biggest things that you can look for. Brandon, uh, one thing that I'm curious about is obviously when we talk about strength and conditioning, you see guys come through the combine process with uh, remarkably different physiques. In your opinion, when you're looking at different players, what are the most common overdevelopments that you see from a muscular perspective? What are some of the most common underdevelopments that prospects come in with as well? You know, I think typically, you know, so there's the anterior part of the body or the front and the posterior or the back. And typically you see more of the front of the body developed. So the quads, the chest, um, really those two areas, you know, I always look at the back because that's where, you know, more of the stabilization and movement comes from. That's where more of your strength comes from. You know, your back is a lot more uh, complex and involved in your chest. So you want to see, if a guy has a, you know, well-developed back, um, lower half, you know, people, you know, Mike Mayock says, you know, you want to see the guy have a, have a bubble, you know, um, basically just well-developed uh, glutes, you know, because that, that's going to give him a real good base. Um, and then you work your way down, you know, you want to see good calves, um, you know, and if you see all those things in a guy, you can just, that kind of just speaks to, okay, this guy works hard in the weight room. And he's working, not only that, but he's working on the right things in the weight room. He's not going in there. You know, granted, they're in strength and conditioning programs, but still, you know, even when I was playing high school football and stuff, I mean, I'd, I'd work a little harder on the chest, 
you know, stuff than I did on the back stuff just because. Um, so, you know, I think that still is kind of ingrained in some guys if they don't know better. So you want to look, you kind of want to differentiate the front and the back and you want to, you really want to pay attention to the back because those are the biggest muscles. Those are the most important muscles on the football field or really in any type of movement period. So Brandon, you mentioned, um, the importance of a player's core specifically with respect to the stabilization and the movement of the human body. Are there any sort of drills that are currently done at the combine that help you glean some information with respect to a player's core? I know you mentioned that if you were able to run some guys through some tests, there's some stuff that you had in mind. So I guess I'm asking, is there anything that they currently do at the combine that helps you with that? Or if not, what would you like to see these guys doing? Yeah, well, you know, any sort of dynamic or complex movement is going to involve the core. So, you know, you know, one thing that comes up to me is like the three cone drill. I think that's a good one. You know, that, that also measures that measures that ankle mobility because when you do that, you know, the L drill, when you come around that, that bend and you got to turn around, you're going to have to get low. You're going to have to bend at the ankle and the knee and the hip. So you're going to see those th- three things right there. You know, those are the three keys that you want to look at in that drill and really a short shuttle too. So, but both all those agility type of drills are going to show that that type of bend. Um, but then in that, you know, the core, if the core is off, you're not going to be able to, to get low enough and you're going to get off balance or you're not even be able to, you, you won't even be able to really um, to even get low in the first place. And then if you do, you'll get off balance. how I meant to say it. So I think the three cone is honestly, I think that might be the best drill with the whole combine. Um, just because you can see so many different things, you know, not not to mention the, the basic, you know, level of quickness and agility that, you know, most people look for. I'm looking at, you know, the, those specific things. Um, and then a lot of the positional drills, especially for O-line, you know, the mirror drill. Um, a guy has to, you know, bend once again at the ankle, knee, and hip, and he has to move laterally. And, you know, you're going to see, you could look at, you know, if a guy's bobbing up and down, if, if he's bobbing up and down, his core, I'm sure, typically will play a part in him doing that. If his core is real strong in all the right areas, you know, he's going to be able to maintain that low center of gravity because um, that's really what the core is a testament to is your center of gravity. So I really like the positional drills. And as far as the uh, actual like basic drills, I'd say the three cone would be the best one. Brandon, on our show uh, last Friday, Mark and I had talked about how the bench press is is kind of a functionally useless uh, test of strength, given that A, you're lying down, and and B, just kind of uh, making this motion with this fixed bar here where it doesn't really show you a ton. From a strength perspective, what types of uh, lifting do you think would be more representative of what a prospect's real football strength actually is? Um, well, yeah, you know, the bench press is considered a power lift along with the squat and the deadlift, but, you know, there's different levels of the power lift that I I think would be more beneficial, namely the deadlift, um, the deadlift and the squat really, because when you put a load on your back in the squat, um, that is going to force you to have a strong core. So if you're lifting a lot of weight on your back and, you know, bending at the ankle, knee, and hip. And then your core has to be strong if you're doing, um, 
either a high weight in squat or a high number of reps at, you know, say 225 for squat. So that would be an excellent indicator of core and then um, the triple flexion um, that you look for in the ankle, knee, and hip. So I think the squat and the deadlift as far as power lifts would both be a better indicator just because it's more complex movement. And then Olympic lifts are, you know, huge. And, you know, I'm learning more about those myself because I never really got into those as much because they really are so complex. Um, and you, you have to be really focused and really confident to be able to do those things. Um, really efficient, you know, with Charles Bentley again, I always, I, I kind of go back to him on that. Um, he, he's a big proponent of Olympic lifting. Um, and Duke actually mentioned on a podcast, on the Block Mode podcast, that uh, you could put a velocity meter on a guy and you could determine how quickly he's moving a weight, saying he's doing a snatch. Um, you can actually determine the power in which he's lifting the weight. So he doesn't have to, you don't have to put a ton of weight on the bar and try to kill a guy. You could just put a, a standard number on there, you know, whatever, just like 135 or something, and just see the power and the force in which he's lifting the weight. That'll be a huge indicator of, um, I think, football power as opposed to just, you know, laying on your back and just pushing weight up and down. And, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of the bench press. So. Brandon, I'm going to ask you to put your sort of scout slash you know coach hat on for a second, and imagine yourself you're in a you're in a, a war room on draft day, and your your team needs to draft a tackle, say in the second round. Based on the combine that we have right now, as it's currently structured, is there anything that you would take from an, the current NFL combine, drill wise, testing wise, anything like that, where you would say, okay, I can you know, bang my hand on the table for this guy, like ignoring like the tape. So you've got two prospects that are there. The tape matches up. They're pretty equal on tape, but one guy has one drill over the other that's better. What is something like that that you would bang your table on, your hand on the table for? Um, you know, I, I would, as far as the drill, I'd probably go to the three cone. Um, you know, if we're not counting positional drills, just as far as the base drills that everyone does. Um, just because, you know, I feel like the three cone, if you're going to pick one, you know, you see that flexion that you want to see, um, you know, and when the lineman's in his stance pre-snap, you're, you're going to see that same type of flexion. So if, I'd, I'd look at the mobility of the players. Um, if their tape is pretty equal, I'd want to see who is in who is in better physical condition as far in terms of mobility. Um, that'd probably be the biggest thing I'd look for, um, you know, because if they're not as mobile, you know, all the things that we mentioned. I mean, you know, they have all sorts of deficiencies going on. And, you know, just to avoid the, you know, increased potential for injury and just that headache, you know, I would I would go with the guy that, that was more mobile in that drill. Not necessarily the fastest. Um, of course, that is nice. But, you know, I'd want to go with the guy who is the most nimble guy, I guess you could say. Very good. Brandon. We appreciate you joining us. This has been awesome. I mean, it's it's something that I know very little about it, and certainly uh, it's hugely informative for me. So I, I just personally, you know, really love talking about this. So I could probably do this for about an hour and a half, but I don't think you'd really like it that much to be talking to us for that long. No, I, don't, I mean, once I get going, man, I could I could keep going, but you know, maybe <laughs> another time we can we can go. 
Yeah, we'll dig in. Uh, maybe great. we'll dig in a little more. Maybe uh, sometime this summer, once things get slow, I could see this being something good to uh, do when we get into kind of that June doldrums before uh, before training camp starts. So, in any case, uh, we really appreciate exactly. it, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Brandon. All right, guys. Thanks for the time. Brandon Thorne from the Football Educator. You can follow him on Twitter at Veteran Scout. He does some absolutely great stuff uh, with uh, with offensive line play. Uh, we've hosted some of his content as well from time to time. Highly recommend that you check him out. He is an absolutely great person uh, to follow there. Definitely, he, he does great work. Um, you know, going through the scouting academy right now as well. So, w- what's scary is you know he's learning more. So, imagine just how good he's going to be at all the positions. You know, a couple of months from now. I mean, he's a great football mind and does incredible stuff. And the way he can sort of meld, you know, prospect evaluation with this almost physical evaluation and kind of meld those two worlds. It's it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, it it's definitely. I find it fascinating just because, again, that's the type of insight that you hope is inside of NFL draft rooms, but you don't necessarily you don't know, know if it is. No. You know, you don't know if that's necessarily uh, the first thing on people's minds there. So, yeah, let's, but that, that's kind of amazing, though, not to kind of cut you off, yeah. but to think about, you know, the world in which we live in right now, where we've got a guy like Brandon who brings knowledge like that and he's just kind of doing it online. And writing it. I mean, there's so much great stuff out there that people are producing. And Brandon's a great example of that. It, it really is. And this, this gets back to, I think it was the beginning of last week uh, when we had Josh Wyon from Australia. Right. And, you know, we're sitting here and it's like, look, there's all this talent talking you know, online uh, and just the ability to do this now. You know, we wouldn't know any of these guys 20 years ago, even. You know, we would have maybe you're getting, you know, the AOL chat room and you're sitting there and, you know, and you've got this great screen name. Mark's there, like, former QB 32. I'm like badass kicker twenty seven, and Brandon comes in like that was your real AOL screen name, wasn't it? <laughs> it Don't actually, li- I'll look it up. It might have been. <laughs> Thought so. I it, mean, it eh, might have okay. been. That's let's, okay. Let's move on to our Twitter question, everyone. Classic uh, dodge and deflect. This one comes from uh, Bill Ormond. He has the Twitter handle Bill Ormond. Ironically enough, uh, inside the pylon. Could Greg Hardy potentially be a fit in a 3-4 scheme? Would love to know. Thanks. In a 3-4 scheme? So I look at what Greg Hardy does well, which is get to the passer, you know, put pressure on uh, an opposing quarterback. I don't know if I necessarily see him being able to be, you know, he's not quite big enough, I think, to really be a two-gap guy just because I don't think he has the bulk either, you know, height or weight-wise. And I'm not sure that he's nimble enough to get slotted in, you know, kind of in an outside linebacker role where potentially you're dropping into coverage more often. Yeah, I mean, you'd pretty much have to. Yeah, I mean, you can't drop him down and have him two gap as a three four defensive end. It's just not going to work. I mean, you could try it, but the problem is they're just going to run the ball at him every snap. Because hard do you figure what's he coming in at like two seventy to two eighty somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah, you know your typical your typical three four de is you know usually in that three ten range, a little bit bigger, not necessarily with the pass rushing skills, but more just able to control the line of scrimmage with his hands. That's not really Hardy's game, and part of me wonders if he'd even be content in that type of system. You know, it's you you think that you know we've seen this before where guys get into a three four and they haven't played in one before, and they say, oh yeah, it'll be no problem, and then they get into it and they're sitting there like this is what you want me to do. <laughs> yeah, I, this is not what I want me to do. So, I mean, the question becomes, can he go and play outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme? And 
he's not a guy that has a ton of experience dropping back into a flat and covering, you know, guys leaking out on a quick out route. So you're basically designating him as a 3-4 rush outside linebacker, which, you know, teams can scheme around that as well. Yeah, and I mean, th- there are some guys that can be... We've seen some bigger linebackers that are able to do it. Adelius Thomas in Baltimore uh, comes to mind as one. Obviously, when he got to New England, struggled a little bit, you know, coming over to the Patriots. But certainly, his time in Baltimore, he was playing at 270 and able to deal with, uh, you know, able to operate in that scheme there as an outside linebacker. But it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily for everyone. And keep in mind, Thomas was only six foot two. You're talking about Hardy here at six five. I just don't know. If, if you're mobile enough at that height and weight to be able to necessarily do that. You know, it's you could maybe again, it's it's one thing for Hardy, I think, to drop back occasionally on like his own blitz or something like that. It's another to ask him to drop and cover throughout a game. Yeah, I mean, I just pulled up um, another great website that people probably have seen on Twitter right now, Mock Draftable where they have the spider webs where you can compare guys like, you know, height, weight, three cone and measurements and stuff like that by position. I just pulled up Hardy's spider web to compare him to outside linebackers. And I mean, broad jump, he's being the 48th percentile vertical 56th percentile. I mean, he, as far as height, weight, arm length, he'd be 89th percentile, 100th percentile for weight, 95th percentile for arm length. But all the tests and stuff like the 40, I know the 40-yard dash isn't the best indicator of a guy's speed, but 15th percentile there. So it just doesn't seem like he'd be the right athletic fit to play that position. Yeah, so it's you're pretty much taking a top-end athlete and turning him into a lower-to-middle quality linebacker while all, all the time you know, still maintaining his status as a low-quality human being. So it's, yeah, you know, I just don't know if, you know, personally, look, I don't want Greg Hardy on my team anyways, but... If I, you know, if I for some reason did, I'm probably not turning him into either a three-four backer or a three-four DE, yeah, just because, because I don't think he has that skill set. It's not to say that he can't do it. I just don't think he'd be. It would be the best use of his skills. Right. And building off the point that I was just making, when you f- compare his stuff to other defensive ends, I mean, he's in 65th percentile for broad jump, 72nd for vertical leap, 55th for a 40-yard dash. So again, it's it's better numbers. He's at a, above average in those categories there. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting uh, to see that. Good question, though. Always yeah. interesting to uh, to look at things a little bit different. Uh, and that's pretty much our show. It was a good one. I like that question. That was a good question. I like stuff like that. Yeah, I love when we get questions for people. It's it's great. I love what people's thoughts are here and what people want to see want to see us talk about. It's good stuff. So keep sending them in, people. Yeah, send them in every day. We will always try to uh, get around to them. Even if we don't hit it one night, we'll try to get to it the next one. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Jason Fitzgerald from uh, Over the Cap. He's going to be talking about uh, free agency, which opens next week, actually. It's hard to believe that we are already at that time. Definitely stick around. He writes some phenomenal articles there. He's going to be walking us through some of his big thoughts on free agency, what the big things are that he's looking at. That's coming up tomorrow on the ITP Quick Kicks podcast. Until then, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and we'll see you tomorrow.